0: All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com AI for people to learn more.
1: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.
2: B Chambers and didn't make it to the microphone at all. I'm have to. Clean me Choppers here. National Fish and Chips Day today. Yes, it is, folks. And a big thank you to Macari's from James Street in Drogheda, who are just after dropping in the most beautiful fish and chips for us here in LMFM Radio. Thank you so much indeed. Wasn't planning on it. I've still some here beside me. Anyway, get back to that later. We have work to do today on the show. Welcome to Late Lunch this Thursday afternoon. And really today on the show... The theme is the good weather and sun because we're talking about barbecuing today. I have to say I struggle with it. I really do. I don't know about you. Uh, being sun smart. Yes, Cathy Marr is here with us to be careful in the sun. Start of the summer season from today as well. And we're going to start in a moment. You won't believe this. With your phone. Your phone is very susceptible to the sun and of course water whether you're at a beach or a pool as well and today on the show i'm looking forward to meeting pat reynolds and jimmy gagan the great jimmy gagan is with me too and pat because the reynolds family pat and paddy had their careers in football are recording a brilliant new book and we're chatting about it on the show 086 1800 658 by whatsapp or text to get in touch with us this afternoon we're beginning with the phone your smartphone, your iPhone. I have an iPhone. I absolutely love it. But the other evening I was out the back relaxing at our table and chairs and brolly overhead. But the sun went round and my phone was sitting on the table and I forgot about it for a short while. Well, in the name of God, when I picked it up, it nearly burned the hand of me. It had absorbed the heat. Now, thank God it was fine. It cooled down. I put it aside into the shade. But you must mind your phone in the sun. Isn't that right, Declan Bailey? That's right, Jerry. How are you? <laughs> I'm really good. I love, I have, to tell, I have to tell them this. Declan Bailey says, you should really look after your phone like a child at the beach. Yes. I love that. I think that sums it up. But Declan, my experience on the table, that can happen very easily, can't it, with a phone?
3: So easily, because at the end of the day, just like what happened with you, Jerry, the sun was not on it, and then it was on it. Mm. So you have to be conscious of where your phone is. But most people don't. They just throw it there and leave it in there doing whatever, but the sun really can uh, have a serious effect on the phone. I had a client a couple of weeks ago that had brought the phone on holidays and had left it at the pool and it cracked the screen. The heat cracked the screen. With the heat? Yep.
2: Wow. And I'm sure it cannot uh, be good for the innards of the inner workings of the phone either.
3: No, the first thing to remember is that anything overheating like that, that, what Apple will say, that it will damage the internal components and permanently shorten the battery life, permanently. Okay. Like there's no way around you know, recouping it. It's permanently shortening. So always remember that overheating the phone, which is very easily done if a lot of people use car chargers now and they plug it in for a fast charge. But let's say for argument's sake, you're driving from Dublin to Cork. So it's in the car charger for three hours. The minute you go to touch it, then you feel oh, the phone is very hot. Well, it's overheated itself because you're putting too much of a charge in the battery. Plus you've got the temperature in the car. The other thing as well is that a lot of cars have now would be CarPlay. So Apple CarPlay, you plug the, car, the phone into this and it populates it up on your screen. But that even takes more resources from the phone. So I was actually using that the other day and then the phone got extremely hot. I had to plug it out and I stuck it in the boot of the car actually
4: for
3: mm. 10, 15 minutes just to cool it down. Or what I used to do, you'd open up the window. Mm. Now, if you're traveling at any kind of a speed, you need to have a good hold of the phone and stick it out the window of the car <laughs> just to drive some cold air into it.
2: <laughs> Be careful with that because if oh, you God. drop it, then she, she's she got it all together. But he, here's the thing I want to ask you. That was good to put it in the boot because the boot is generally the coolest part of the mm. car. Mm. Um, when your phone's roaring hot like that, the fridge, is that a bad idea to put it in there quickly?
3: But yeah, again, you would think that's the ideal place for it, but it's not. Simply because you can't, it's like anything I suppose, you can't go from extreme heat to extreme cold. It's not good for anything. So again, you're looking at damaging the internal components. So don't do that. It's, you know, I've actually had, seen something on television there recently, a program, and they put it in the fridge freezer part. and that part? Mm. So yeah, no, you don't do that. It's just, it's too, it's too, it's too extreme on mm. the phone. So from one extreme to the other. The other thing as well is to remember that, again, a lot of people would use the GPS on a phone. And if, you are charging it at the same time in the car, that causes the phone to overheat because GPS is very processor intensive. Okay. So There's a lot of processing power, you would, so you would find the phone overheating. Again, at some point, the phone will realize that, yes, the environment is too hot and it will try itself to cool itself down by doing certain things. But my recommendation is to plug it out of the power, first of all, because you're putting power into it and you're using a very power-intensive app, so get out of the power straight away. But essentially, what will happen then is if the phone does get too hot, it will essentially shut itself down. So you'd see this warning would come up on the screen, saying the phone is too hot and it's going to shut itself down. So it needs to cool down, so it will shut itself down. Mm. So don't try and turn it back on again. Just leave it. Generally, 10 minutes is fine. But again, you know, physically you can feel the heat. So if it is too hot, well then you know why are you trying to turn it back on again? just mm-hmm. let it do its thing and cool down. But you cannot go from one extreme to the other. You know, like, oh, it's too hot, stick it in the fridge. Yeah, Don't do that.
2: Okay, good advice there. You know the way with bright days, people have a tendency to up the brightness on the screen. They can't see it. There's a okay. glare on it or whatever. What do you say to that? Is that a good idea to do that?
3: Yeah, well, I suppose now, again, there's two settings on the phone. There's an automatic screen setting yeah. so it automatically adjusts itself. So if you have that on, the phone screen will come up when you're outside and it's bright. But again, I certainly wouldn't have it at 100%. You can manually use that yourself. You just pull down the settings and reduce the screen. But like anything, Jerry, if it's extremely sunny and you can't see anything, well, then just leave it. You can't see anything. Don't be putting the screen up to 100% and especially leaving it there. Mm. You know, just try and avoid that. Generally speaking, 70%. It should only be ever at 70%. OK.
2: You know, you mentioned charging there, and I find at times yeah, that when you charge the phone, um, the, the plug the plug itself often gets yes. warm. My phone is, is all right, but I, I want to ask you a question about that. The iPhone charger, the legitimate charger, mm. takes time to charge the phone. Now, I have a, a, a spurious one. I don't know where it came from. Yeah. But if you put that in, it charges the iPhone rapidly, much yes. more quickly.
3: Mm. Mm. Yeah, uh, that's a disaster. Oh you should always use the plug that comes with the phone. Now, in saying that, new phones now will not come with the plug. they have just come with the cable.
4: Mm.
3: But essentially the plug that you plug into the wall should be an Apple plug, Apple certified. Okay. Various things, you don't know what voltage they're putting into it. So right. again, you can damage the battery. There's a certain voltage has to go into the phone. And this goes for iPad as well. So if you have the two devices, And in iPad, they are still sending the actual plug socket with the iPad. But you should always use the cable that came with the iPad with the plug that came with the iPad and the cable that came with the phone with the phone. Right. You shouldn't mix those up either.
2: OK, so I'm not gaining in the long run no, by uh, no, you're any... No, you your batteries. All right, thank, thanks for that advice. Now, besides the sun, people, as I mentioned, go to the beach. They're beside pools. And inadvertently, you know, an iPhone falls into the pool or it goes into the water. What's the story there with resistance to water?
3: Yeah, and you see, this is the thing as well over the last few years, that this has been a big selling point, that, oh, yes, you know, it's, it's for want of a better word, that shouldn't be said, is waterproof. It's not, it's never proof anything. So the resistance, so whatever resistance level you have, most of the new iPhones in the last two to three years would be IP68, which is the kind of industry standard. So essentially what that means is, and like I say to every client, anything that like this, it's not a test. So you can submerge the phone in water for 30 minutes. So even though me saying that would send a shipper down my back because... <laughs> Like, why would you do that? <laughs> don't why do why it. Need to take the chance. Yes.
2: So what we're saying to listeners, they don't now go away and put your phone into a basin of water or drop it into test it for thirty minutes. Declan is not saying that you should really keep it away from water.
3: Keep it away from water, but there's no harm. Like, I was using it in the rain for argument's sake. Yes. Um, if it did fall into water, you don't have to. Like years ago, when your heart stopped, that really doesn't happen in new models anymore. It has that protection, but again, it is a thing that. You still don't you know, put it out of the water and start using it. Mm. Shake off the excess water, especially in the lightning port at the bottom where you're charging it. Make sure that is dry. Mm. So for argument's sake, if you have it in your hand and with the the phone in the right orientation, just tap on a surface just to try to get whatever is in the lightning port, whatever excess is in there, out. Don't try and stick something in there, a cotton bud or something, to Mm. try and dry that or clean it.
2: The
3: lightning port connection is extremely sensitive so I wouldn't be sticking anything into that port just try and tap it out and you can use a hairdryer that's another good thing but yeah. just try it. any excess from the water on the phone get it off the phone
2: yeah I remember years ago with the older models you know a few disasters I came across and people putting them in the hot press into you know the um the and little the
3: yeah yeah
2: yeah. do you remember that Yeah,
3: yeah that was the thing <laughs> yeah, everybody was looking for rice. I wasn't yeah. the boy in the bag. Rice. No.
2: <laughs> <laughs> God Almighty, we've come a long way since those days, you know. To try to I'm, dry
3: them. And the other thing, as well, is that a lot of people now going to the gym. Yeah. It should never be in a sauna or a steam room. Like that's the other thing. That intense heat and steam. It should never be in, in that environment either. Mm. You have to really think of the actual foam as a piece of equipment that you can't do certain things with. Like, you know, the way uh, it's gotten so much better now, but years ago, if you dropped it, generally speaking, nine times out of 10, the screen would crack. Mm. The screens have become so much tougher now. I just dropped one yesterday, and yeah, perfect. But it's like the water thing. People think, oh yeah, it's waterproof. It's not waterproof. Mm. It's water resistant. So it's down to how much resistance it actually has. Yes. So just don't try it.
2: In the shower. You know, people who can't leave their phone down and they go for a shower and they bring the phone into the shower with them.
3: Yeah, steamy shower room is the exact same thing. So again, people want to listen to music or the radio and they have the phone on and you're in like, I suppose if you're in a well ventilated shower room. Yeah, that's okay. But if you're getting out of the shower and your windows are fogged up, your mirror in the shower is fogged up. That is not the environment for a phone. Mm.
2: And will, you know, the retailer or whoever you have your phone through, a mobile phone company, if you go back with this, um, will it invalidate, you know,
3: uh, warranties? Yes. So uh, I worked for um, a phone company and people will come back in and say the phone is doing this or doing that or not doing this. And I want to send it off for repair. So the first thing when it goes back to the repairers is they put it into this uh, environment that shows if it has had any water damage on the circuit board and the warranty is nil and void. then. So essentially we used to just get the phone back and there'd be a red uh, piece of paper around it and all they did was put it into that cage, checked if there was any water damage, there was water damage, they put the red label on it, send it back, that's it, we did nothing else with it because the warranty's gone. Okay. Now the only thing is if you have insurance, I know insurance covers water damage. Mm. But if you do anything, you know, again, um, years ago, the screen was very sensitive, not just iPhone, other screens, Android screens. It's it's like anything, Jerry. The less you pay for a phone, the more something's going to happen to it. So a cheap phone, 120, 150 euros, that there really has to be taken care of because even in the steam room, let's say, that could get damaged. The board could get damaged. Something could start. And then you'll find when you're using the screen, maybe a certain part of the screen won't respond or you can't just slide something up as easy as you could before. So you send it off, and they know this has been in some environment where there's been some kind of liquid damage, and your warranty is gone. Mm.
2: There you are. Good advice. More good advice there. Just a feel a question from a listener, if you don't mind, while you're on. Jerry. would you ask Declan, I can't pair my iPhone with my car. The lady won't talk to me when I get into the car uh, on Google Maps. I have it set to Bluetooth. What do I need
3: to do? Okay, so the first thing I do is, if it has been paired with any other car, you can go into your Bluetooth settings. When you're sitting in the car, open up your Bluetooth settings, and if it does find the car, there's a little eye to the right of that name. Click on the eye and click Forget This Device. So once you do that, you're starting fresh. If there is another car, again, when you're sitting in the car and you're looking at your list, if you had it tagged with a previous car, get rid of that as well. And then just try from the start. Some cars, depending on the the make, uh, it is a bit complicated. So normally before you used to have to pair the car. So on your screen on the car, a pairing number would come up, a four-digit number. And then that would populate on the phone as well. So you had to put that number in to match, you know, to pair the both of them. Mm. Depending on the model of the car, if it is a pairing car and that number comes up, that number has to be entered. If it's not coming up for whatever reason, I would go into the settings on the car as well. Now, again, that you'd find this on maybe second-hand cars. Go into the list of Bluetooth devices that have been paired with that car. So you'll see the previous Bluetooth devices and get rid of them, clean okay. all them out, okay. and then start from fresh.
2: And I'm just thinking there, just by extension, you know, most cars have their own uh, guidance system built into the car. Yes. Does that conflict with Google Maps?
3: Well, it doesn't, and it does. Like, if you have, depending, a lot of cars now would, which would have Apple CarPlay. So if you plug your phone in, Apple CarPlay will start up. So then you're essentially using your phone. You okay. can Google Maps, Apple Maps. But if you have a phone or a car with a guidance system and a GPS in it, and again, some of these systems are very cumbersome. They're not like it's so easy to do it on a phone, put an address, blah, blah, blah. So I would say don't use the guidance in the car. If you can, Bluetooth it and, you know, sync the car with it, use the phone. Yes. Again, it depends on the car.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that that is it. It's down to the car model. Declan, you're great. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, you've uh, set us fair for the summer season ahead to mind our phones from Heath and Water. Thanks a million, Declan. Take care. Declan Bailey there from Business Tech Help. I have to say there aren't too many families that produce two wonderful footballers that play for the county side over four decades. And I'm talking about the Reynolds family here. There's a brand new book out about them called Reynolds, A Family Affair. And it is penned by the brilliant Jimmy Gagan, one of the most respected journalists in Meath and in the country, I have to say. And, of course, it's about the Reynoldses, Pat and Paddy. And I'm delighted to welcome Jimmy and Pat, Senior, to the show this afternoon. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank
4: you very, Thank much, you very Jerry. much, Thank, Thank
2: you for great. joining me. Jimmy, may I say first, congratulations on the book.
4: Thanks very much, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was asked to write it by uh, Liam Hayes, our great former Meade footballer, former All Star, um, All Star winner, and um, Liam uh, Hero Hero Books. He publishes these uh, stories of these great footballers of the past. You know, and it's great, great service he gives because he um, gives an opportunity for these people to tell their lives and Pat was one of those who had a great story to tell and I was very when Liam mentioned it to me there about two years ago I was very interested because I knew quite a lot about Pat and, and Paddy as well his son who um, as you said they won all, both of them won All-Irelands both of them All-Stars very unusual for a father-son yeah. combination to be All-Stars mm. and uh, I just said well look yeah I'll have, have, to, have, it, yes, I'll listen, have to have a go at this You
2: jumped at it I'll have to go at this Listen indeed and what a goal you've had at it you've done marvellous and it was launched last Friday night and we'll tell you where it's available as we chat on Thanks through Jerry. the show yeah. what was what were they like to work with now come on there's one of them sitting beside you be careful how you answer here now to me yeah, what were they like to you know get the, get the stories out of them well no
4: they're two very business, uh, busy business busy yes. you know, they're big farmers you yes. know the Reynolds are some of the biggest uh, I mean at one stage maybe one of the top producers of potatoes in Europe certainly yes. up, right up there in yes. the league and uh, Premier League of potato producers in, in Europe and um, so I knew they were going to be very busy, as you know, uh, and I'm from a farm, a small farming background myself. So, you know, there's always something going on in a farm, Jerry. Yeah. And uh, I thought, well, when will I get these jobs? <laughs> when will I be able to pin them down and, and have a chat with them? And But actually, you know, they were very, very good. Pat, I think at one stage I went over to the yard. He wasn't there. We used to meet in this little office there beside the, the main office there. And... Um, uh, Pat wasn't there, so the, I think one of his sons rang and where are you, he, 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 on his way to Battle Brigham to pick up something, <laughs> yes. but he, and he said, well I, I'll come back, I'll come back to you and we'll have a chat. So I knew then we, we were working together, we were on the same team as it were.
2: Ah, uh, well yeah. done. Pat, welcome to the show, it's great to have you with us. Mead's first ever All-Star.
5: Very
2: good. It's great to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> it's good to hear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you yeah. were you you broke new ground. You wore the shirt. I just looked at the 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 years there through the sixties, the seventies, then involved in the management with Sean Boylan as well. Tell me this. You know, there's many stories in this book, but the one that caught my attention was on All Ireland final day and the bull. Yeah. Tell them what happened. This was All Ireland final morning, and you had to go and work before you went to play in Croke Park.
5: Yeah, but that's the way I was at that time. Nowadays they'd be put into cotton bull for about three days before he came. <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah. I there's a
5: dog outside the door, Sparky was his name, a red collie, and I give him a kick and he didn't wake up, and I jumped across him. And I went down the feed to bring in the cows. And there must be this cow in here, so to to put my hand on her, the so next thing the bull turned on me and leveled me on the ground. I was crawling around the ground. And I was shouting for help to a local, There was a house down the road, locally, and they didn't hear me. And lucky enough, the dog must, must hear me shouting. Down he comes, takes the bull by the tail till he pulled the tail off the bull. He did pull the tail off the bull, to be quite honest. And you got away. Oh yeah, no Yeah, well I didn't. I got away. I was well marked. Plenty of black
2: marks on me. And that was on All Ireland final morning. morning. Who are you playing in that final? Uh, Cork. Right, that was the one you won? Mm. Oh, well, listen, Mm -hmm. it didn't affect your
4: performance uh, in Park. Was it on
2: your mind? In the first half, I was terrible. My head
5: wasn't right, but in the second half, no problem.
4: My God, yeah.
5: Jimmy! When you think of
4: that, yeah, Well, I I knew of that incident, and I thought, now that's something that could be developed. and I just wanted to explore more of that. I mean, as you can imagine, Jerry, you're preparing for your biggest day of of your life, it's yeah. sporting day, anyway. And here you are; you're you're nearly killed, and um, yeah, I, I mean, it was a very close escape, and it was remarkable that Sparky should. Uh, do what he did because yes. he didn't even follow you out Pat no he you know, didn't no, he, he but wasn't when he heard me knew there was uh,
5: trouble yeah, yeah
4: and uh, what a preparation that was for your biggest day of your yeah. career uh, football wise and you know uh, Eric, he, Pat was marking Eric Philpott who was a very skillful Cork player mm. and he scored Eric scored the first two points in that final, anybody so. looks at back. Well, I was very bad in the first. I was yeah, a shake
5: yeah. and I wasn't right at all. You were a halfback. I was a halfback, yeah. left back. Yeah. And your well, son as well. Oh, yeah. Well, Played the same position. That was very unusual. that the two of us got all-stars from the one position. Yeah. I don't think there's anybody with that Two number sevens on our
2: backs. Yeah, that made all-stars in different generations as well, father yeah. and son. Remarkable, yeah. remarkable. You mentioned Cotton wool there. What are you think of today? You know, when you think of your days playing and what you did and how you trained and you look at the modern game, what are your, your thoughts on that, Pat?
5: Well, we didn't train as hard, but we trained more physically. <clears throat> that was all tactical work and tactical work. And the main thing is go for the ball. They're forgetting about the ball. They're looking at bodies running here and bodies running there. Instead of following the ball. And then bothering the name of the game is the ball. Go for the ball. I mean, and work great. If you don't work on the field nowadays, you have no chance. And it was the same at our time. You've got Mm. to work. No pain in standing back and waiting for somebody else to make the decision was too much of that going on. At the but moment. this
2: blanket defence, and you see, even the the kick out is so vital now, Pat, to every team. If you don't get the ball, it's short. It's you know, it's tactical. It never goes out to the middle of the field, rarely anymore. If you do that, you're in trouble. What 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 what, what do you think? Make of that and the style of play today. Well,
5: Dublin started that from the very start with the man in the goals. What do you call him? Um, Cluxton. Cluxton. Yeah. But they are lined up in the middle of the field, and he kind of knew who was going to break out in the middle of the field. Mm. And that's the main plan still, the way I look at it. I mean, he has an idea. They'll leave an an open patch left and right in the pitch, and one of his men will break to that patch. I think at the moment, the goalkeeper is a vital component in any
4: team at the moment. Mm. Vital. Mm -hmm. More important than ever. Yeah, well, um, Pat mentioned and there, but Pat was an innovator of a certain style himself because he loved to power forward. Now, in those days, you didn't do that so much. Wingbacks, their job was to watch the half forwards, yes. keep an eye on them, con- control them. But Pat wanted to power forward. And uh, I was interested in that as well because um, he also reflected that in, in his life as well, it, you know, in terms of his work, in, in terms of developing the farm because Pat um, he, he borrowed a lot of money in, in, a, in, the, in the late 60s 7,000 pounds I think it was 9,000 9,000 pounds can you imagine Jerry back in the late 60s some money uh, and Pat borrowed that so you know um, to buy a farm and land he wanted to hit out on his own to buy land but um, you know so it was about in, in the style of play as well he reflected that power forward move on isn't that right Pat well, you, do, yeah, yeah. you know yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. power um, yeah. just get to the next stage and not everybody, not everybody agreed with the uh, in, in the team agreed with that style of play but it certainly worked for you
2: yes
5: you No. Know, the yeah. biggest thing in the ty- style of play at the time was Father Tully was our manager and Peter McDermott was kind of the trainer I don't know what he'd be well he was next to command commander Father Tully and the would be always giving out to me catch and get the ball and kick it and, and McDermott had said to me, Pat, keep doing what you're doing. He was the first man to start the new way of running, running <laughs> at them. He went to Down then, he done the same with Down, got the yes. runners going.
2: Yeah. yeah. And and going back to you and your success, the All Star was a culmination of a, a golden era for you. You played in All Ireland semi final, uh, three finals. Three, uh, finals,
5: three yeah. finals, yeah. Three finals.
2: Yeah. Uh, and uh, the All Star, of course, as well. What about your club career, Walterstown?
5: Well, we won the Junior Championship I once and I broke my ribs that day and we had a big celebration in the one of the big sheds at home at the back of the house. We had a big celebration that night and I wasn't able to join them because I broke my ribs. Three ribs I broke that day. i front of the stand I'll never forget. I wasn't mm-hmm. able to breathe, and I wanted to come off at half time and the boys
2: over Watson wouldn't let me off,
5: and I ain't able to walk. <laughs> and you played the entire second yeah, half yeah. with the broken oh, I was
2: ribs. in the next. Yeah. What oh. did that senior title mean to you? What when you compare a, a club title with an All Ireland medal, league medal? You've won the league as well, yes. With it me,
5: yeah. Well, it's funny the way you said that to me. At the time, yeah. I was with the club, and I had no real interest in the club. It was only when I got when I got a bit older, I started to realise. Everything was fixed with me at my at my head. I wasn't really interested in the club. But then, in the last couple of years, when I was got a bit older, yeah. I started to take the club into bigger yeah. altogether. Although to win that senior championship was fantastic. Nineteen seventy-eight, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Waterstone first, yeah. first ever senior,
4: t- title, yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, but you broke your rib. But you broke your ribs in, in, in many times because that was the style of play was to go in, why, in there and, that's that's to, get the, to get the loose ball, <laughs> <laughs> to go in there and get the loose ball, no matter what, and its uh, personal cost didn't come into it at the time. Yeah.
2: Well, where did the football come from? Were you, what, yeah. did, what, did it predate you in your yeah. family? Oh,
5: well, my father played with Loud. Right, Christie. He, he Christie. He played with him from from Tamworth and he played with Loud. So he did, and that's where And then at my first match in Crow Park was Loud won in 1957, and my father was brought me to Crow Park. And imagine in ten years later. I bought the cup myself back to Navin. For me, For me, and ten years later. Yeah. And I remember that. He brought me to the White Horse that night where all the Loud lads and said, Kevin B and all the boys. So I was only a kid at the time. And he said, and I played in Kevin B and ten years later in Crow Park. Would you believe that? And he said to me, you'll have to play with Loud. And my father said, oh, of course you play with Loud. I had no intention. And I think the first day we played Loud, and in, in the championship and I think he was shouting for loud
2: I, I I wouldn't be a bit surprised
4: <laughs> Yeah, you made your debut against <laughs> yeah, it right. yeah. And you see, what
2: happened <laughs> yeah. was he moved then to me that's where you were right, living yeah. and that's where you set yeah, up home set up. and family yeah. and everything we, we, the, the story in the book does that refer to you when you were at Gormonstone? Were you at Gormanston was it your son? No, I was in Gormonstone Okay, yeah. but you actually did you go on in Gormonstone with the studies or did you have to come back home to get involved in the farming? I had to
5: come back home. I was only two years in Garmiston College and I had to come back home because we were borrowing money with me father, we were borrowing money to buy land and they said they wouldn't give it to me unless or give it to me father unless I came home from school. I was only second year in school and at that time you had to pay four or five hundred a year in Garmiston College to to be and the phoned up well there's no phone at home but the phoned up a local fella with a phone to know when I come back to school they wouldn't charge me anything to play for football for the third year. Yeah. Unbelievable.
2: Oh my God. Jimmy, talk to me about the son Paddy for a minute and the nineteen ninety six can I call it the Schemozle with Mayo? Well I think it
4: was probably more than that. It was near a near an open riot, wasn't it? It was like uh I I never saw a row like it I was there that day, of course, very fairly close to it anyway, you know, so I had a good front row seat and it was quite a row, you know, and uh, it went on early on in the game. And, you know, ev- just about everybody in the pitch was involved, including Paddy, and he desc- f- uh, very humorously describes in the book how he, he ran to get involved in it from the other side end of the pitch. He ran and uh, he was going to, I think he was going to... Uh, land a few haymakers shall we say if he could but uh, he he tripped over somebody going into the and it was a very funny scene the way he said it the way he <laughs> described it he tripped over somebody and didn't get a blow at all he was flailing around <laughs> I think you know and kicking around but uh, like a lot of people at the time you know but yes. uh, some people did land some punches and uh, Colin Coyle was sent off with Lee McHale mm. you know mm. and Mayo people were saying, you know, oh, they took took the best player we had out of our team, and he was having a good game. But so was Colin Coyle. Yes, he was an excellent player as well. Mm. And Colum used to have the saying. Colum was a selector later on, and he used to have the saying, you know, if a new player came on in, into onto the team. Would you get into the trenches with this man, you know, with with this newcomer? And you know that was uh, Callum himself, and he, yes. he certainly knew how to battle his way through the trenches. He did, and, uh,
2: and he was a big loss to me that day. What yeah. did you make it as his father, Pat, looking on on that day and all that happened?
5: Well, I think they were dead right because I mean uh, that was the the day the one the one that match. Yes, but the drawn match before that, they were bullied out of it, but me. Completely changed their tactics. That's what started the row. They were bullied in the first match, but they definitely weren't bullied in the second match. They took them on. Yes, and I think that's what made the difference. Mm. But I mean, it wasn't much of a row. There was a lot of pulling and dragging. There was no hard hitting. There was. Mm. But I did look bad now from the outside to see. Yeah. It's very <laughs> unusual to see thirty players. The thirty of them were nearly all involved as far as I can remember. For most of them anyway. I think one or two of
2: them were where come back to your All Star and of course there's a trip with the All Star. Where did you go to? San Francisco. Oh yeah. Wonderful like, trip was it? Great know. memories. A lot
5: of things happened over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but went, but he
4: has a
2: story.
5: You well, wanted to they tell went, a story. They went
4: to uh, Australia with me in 1968. Okay, so Jerry. Yeah, let's was, come
2: on to that. So, so the, so the All Star thing was you are all in together from different counties in Ireland. Memorable trip for you, yeah. And you played your yeah. games, but 68 me, there was a famous trip.
4: A famous trip to Australia, and um, Pat. Well, it had a profound effect on him, I, as I discovered. We d- we spoke about this at Lent during our interviews together. Profound effect. Pat, and still, it yeah, does have effect on you. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd be watching all the films from Vietnam, all the old
5: films. That time we were on a beach in Hawaii and there was a big bar outside in the beach and singing and dancing heaven, and there was a lot of women flowing in from all parts of America to hold on to the GIs, as we called them at the time. And we, I was walking down, there was, there was three lads sitting on the side of the, the beach and they're crying. I went over the what's wrong, lads? And they just said to me, we thought we were going home to our mother and fathers and they were shipped straight to Hawaii. They, were, they weren't let back into America to go home. And I couldn't believe it. And they said there was 23 or 24 of them in there and there was only three of them left In the, the rest of them were all killed beyond Vietnam. It was unbelievable. To this day, I remember seeing them lads in front of me, they crying. I couldn't believe it.
4: So there was this contrast between this group of young mead footballers going home, enjoying themselves, uh, mm. having their lives to look
0: all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more. Forward to and then meeting
4: these Americans and you've... In the midst of terror, war, carnage. Yeah, on the way back lost to, all their friends. On the, on the way back to hell on earth, really. Yeah, yeah.
5: They, they thought they were to be flown home. They said that they were flown to Hawaii. My God, yeah. So that, playing, that deeply and, affected you? And Oh, it did, yeah. I had to go back again. They were wrecks. They were absolutely wrecks, these three lads. Mm. They, were young. they weren't any older uh, than me. And I imagine them lads fighting. I'd say they were, they were very young lads anyhow, you know. Mm. Couldn't believe it.
2: A thing you did, you were involved with Sean Boylan in the management of the Mead team. And when Paddy, your son, came into the picture for selection and playing with Mead, you withdrew. Why?
5: Because I wouldn't be involved. I think father and son... Is a dangerous thing to be involved on a team. You're much better off standing away from it and let your son do his own thing. There's too many fathers telling their son what to do and what not to do. And you're better off a mile away from it. And I think it's very important that the father doesn't get involved with your son. There's no question. I would, Sean says, where are you going? I, oh, Sean said to me, oh, Paddy will be on the team. But when Paddy is a bad game, I have a bad day too, I said, so I'm not going to it.
2: How do you look on your two careers as his dad? Your career and what you achieved, you achieved similar? You know, you played in the same position, number seven with me, you both won all-Irelands, won all-stars, had club success as well, who was the better footballer of the Reynolds?
5: <laughs> oh, I'd say he was. He
2: was quicker than me. I thought he was quick, but he was quicker than me. <laughs>
4: You're a very man honest man. man, I have to say. Yeah, you well, really well, are. I suppose, Pat, he, he was. He wanted uh, a very quick player like uh, David Beggy, for instance. You were very much, when you were a selector, he mm. wanted David on uh, because of his. he was comparing himself. If he had to manage him or, or if he had to mark, mark him, him, you know, if he had to mark him, like he would say. He was, uh, was you know, the one fellow I didn't nightmare. want to
5: mark him with David Beggy. He couldn't the speed. We're, yeah, we're, yeah 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 so great <laughs>
4: david is a great
2: player yeah, yeah there you are paddy's probably listening to this or he'll hear it at some stage the yeah. dad gives you the thumbs up yeah, your yeah. home, <laughs> your home one for sure <laughs> yeah. besides the football as jimmy alluded to there in your business life you bought, brought your philosophy into business you, you had to leave as you said to get involved in the farm you could have continued on in college as well didn't do you a bit of harm at all but the spuds you are huge you're a massive potato producer Louise was telling me you sent did you send spuds to Portugal recently? Yeah, we did.
5: yeah about two yeah, about a month ago, yeah,
2: yeah. How mu- what, but, what are you talking about in volume?
5: Well, about five hundred tonne or something like that he sent to Portugal. What what kind of spuds? Roosters. And they didn't like them over there because they were too flowery. Uh, <laughs> <they're> the <laughs> they couldn't soapy... understand when the bedare broke out what was happening over there. <laughs> they wanted a soapy the kind soapy of soapy yeah. spot. They yeah. wanted yeah. the
2: soapy spot. we're completely
5: they... the opposite in Ireland. It's yeah. unbelievable. They that's... love
2: the flowery spot in yeah. Ireland, don't they? That's the way it so is. So th- what do you grow? You grow roosters. Is that your main variety now, Patrick? Well, I've
5: on a lot of stuff for the Crispin factory in in, in Teatro.
2: Right. Are they maris yeah. pipers? You do for we them. We grow maris pipers. You do pipers, well. yeah. yeah.
5: Lovely potato, yeah. a piper, isn't it? Yeah, Marquis. Yeah. And, and Lady Claire, of three or four different varieties. Mm. Yeah.
2: Uh, how are you, you fair? Like, look at look at the weather this year. We were talking just before we went on. We, it's been raining, Pat, since last October, by the way. Don't mention to me that you need rain now as a spud farmer. I'm uh, going to pull down all the microphones yeah. here and run out of this studio <laughs> fast.
5: We're well, always complaining. I, but, yeah. I mean, we didn't finish the plant. and We're only finished this morning. But last year, we're finished the 27th of April. That'll tell you, we're a month behind and that's mm. a lot. At the end of the season, that'll show, at the end of the season, Mm. that yields will be down all over Ireland, anyhow. Yeah.
2: And and, and is it a challenge? Is it getting more of a challenge with blight, weather conditions, you name it? Do you find it tougher as the years go by, growing spuds?
5: Yeah, the weather conditions has changed dramatically. I was completely against climate change. I thought it was ridiculous. But I'm realising now there is a problem with the climate change. Mm. So... The window for doing our work is getting smaller and smaller for planting and for digging and for combining. So it's getting smaller and smaller with the climate change.
2: There you go. Well, listen, your relations are listening for sure. Paula McDonald's on there. I don't su- suppose Pat would have a copy of his book for his poor, loud cousins. <laughs> Paula's mother was Josie Dornan. You know who you are yeah, there, I are, do? though. Do? Do? Do. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: yeah.
2: <laughs> They're Cajun. The loud people are cadging. You'll have to buy a copy. Now, Paula, <laughs> well, come on. <laughs> you have to support this. What are you looking for a free copy <laughs> <laughs> Where's the book available, Jimmy? Please tell well, her. As far as
4: I know, they're, they're an essence uh, hero Books, uh, the uh, Leem's Publishing Company. You know, I get them online, Amazon. Um, Amazon, know, on, Amazon, I think you get them as yeah, well. Yeah. But a famous
2: mead man in Navin who sells everything mead has them too, hasn't well, he? Well, I believe so. Jaxie Jaxie Kearney,
4: a great mead supporter, yes. fabulous man, and uh, everybody knows Jaxie. You know, so I believe they're there there as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, Leem is as I said, that's his side of things, his the marketing side of things, and uh, yeah, I mean, but I know they're going to be in Easons as well. You know, great, so we, great.
2: Hopefully, we'll we look at get them. You, you'll to. get this book if you go looking for it. Reynolds, a family memoir, a flesh and blood series with Jimmy Gagan. It's a wonderful, wonderful book and it spans, as I said, the 60s, 70s, 90s, and 90s and wonderful stories between the covers. It'd be a great gift for somebody in your life who loves me, GAA, or loves GAA. I say it again, it's a wonderful sporting book. Congratulations to you, Pat, to you and Paddy. Thank it's you very much. It's terrific. And Jimmy. Thanks great job, Jimmy. Oh, well done, thanks, Jimmy! Well uh, done, Jimmy! Well done, Jimmy! Thanks very I much, guys. Well yeah, but done, I, I
4: mean, you know, nobody brings out a book uh, without help, and I, I got great help from my wife Margot. You know, she was a great proofreader. So, uh, you know, you, all, you know, you need help, don't you? In Absolutely. these things, in these projects. Absolutely. And, and the, I enjoyed talking to the lads. You know, and I had the chat with the lads and the banter and so on. I can and see they, a
2: part two of this. You
4: know what I mean? These
2: fellas are yeah. so interesting. Listen, yeah. it's great to have you both with us in studio this afternoon. Truly delighted you came in, Pat, and pass on a good wishes to your son, Paddy, as well and good luck with the harvest this year and everything else thank besides. you very much yeah, thank, thank you both you. very much I'm delighted you, you uh, came go. in today yes I say Thanks. thank you again Thanks, Jerry. To Pat Reynolds and Jimmy Gagan yes she's coming our way soon Miss Shania Twain and that don't impress me much well Helen was impressed with Pat Reynolds and Jimmy Gagan. Ah, oh, Jerry, what a fantastic interview. And the memories. Brilliant to hear. Just brilliant. And David Beggy, by the way, says Helen. Was my favourite player. Oh God, he was many people's favourite player, wasn't he? He was indeed. Oh my God, Louise, we were both saw the all the people outside our Lady of Lourdes Church in Drogheda, and all the cyclists and the young people. And that young lady, Gabriella, Blood and IT was laid to rest today. She lost her life in a cycling accident um at the so weekend. Sad. It was really, really sad. Honestly, really sad. She worked Such with, a big funeral. Oh, she's only twenty four. Twenty-four years of age. Worked with Microsoft as a manager there, an accomplished cyclist who died in Garristown. On Saturday last, we remember Gabriella today and her family, all the people who were there today. It is so sad. It really, really is. Again, another fatality in the roads. May she rest in peace. 24 years of age. My God Almighty, I think of her family and friends and everybody today. May she rest in peace. Shocking. Really, really shocking. Now, don't get confused in late lunchland. A month hasn't flown by when you hear his voice. He was only here with us last Friday. Little did I think he'd be back today. But it is so appropriate because Rick Cronje, the virtuoso of vino, is the most brilliant man on the barbecue. And I did say it, Rick, it's all year round for you, isn't it? It is indeed, Jerry. Welcome Absolutely. back. Welcome, yes. welcome back Thank to you. the show. Let's get into this quickly because people will be lighting the fires or switching on the gas or whatever across the northeast. They're, they're at it at the moment, and especially with the bank holiday weekend. Rick, I feel pressure when the barbecue comes on. You know, You know what I'm talking about? I do. I and do it engage, puts me yeah. off in a way. And you say, you have a word here, patience. Number one, number one, Jerry. <laughs> the amount of, I mean, I,
6: as you say, I loved barbecue. Done many, many of them, and that's the number one enemy: patience. People asking, you know, when will the burgers be ready? Is that chicken done? Mm. You know, uh, of course, you don't want to keep your guests waiting, but at the same time, it is a social event, yes. you know, and just with a bit of planning, everything will go fine can guarantee you that okay that's good how do you like first of all gas or coals whatever you're comfortable with jerry some people prefer gas some people prefer the coals for me i love the coals but as i say whatever you're comfortable with because that's another stress level if you're trying to go a route that you're not familiar
2: or comfortable with okay so whatever is best for you go with it one or the other how do you like your coals i use fire lighters okay uh,
6: jerry and i i love using paper i think you know but it's often
2: hard to get good dry kindling yes and to get it going you need the kindling to get the coals going and i remember you saying this to me before you've got to give this time it must go completely white if you're using the coals absolutely jerry you're looking for the glow
6: the glow yeah and if you can just Give it a good puff of air get the, the the dust off it before you put the meat on
2: and so. do you
6: you know the ones with the lid the round ones do you yes. use the lid i do use the lid from time to time um if i mean if 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 you're using thick cuts of meat yes then yeah you've got to use that's the just
2: lid. used during cooking but when you light the coals leave it open Oh, open, 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 and open little all air the from right, right yes.
6: up till the coals are glowing yes and then you can
2: use the lid. Okay. And close your vent at that stage when you have... If there's a vent on it, you know, to let a bit of air flow through it. Do you close the vent at that I stage? I don't. I you don't
6: because it. I want the air to flow through. Okay. Otherwise, you're going to overcook the meat very quickly. All right. You're Good. going to trap the air. You
2: want that air flow. You've corrected a fault for me already by telling me that. Yeah. Um, now, that's the lighting. The menu, here's the thing. You are a real adamant. You're adamant, should I say. Three items on the menu. Yes, Jerry.
6: I think we, we tend to go overboard with this and you're putting yourself under pressure. The Your constraint is the size of your grill. Yeah. That's your constraint. And the other thing is, you know, you want to enjoy it with your guests. You don't yes. want to spend your whole afternoon in front of it. But yeah, I think three is
2: enough. And you know. what you suggested here, chicken fillet, beef burger and pork sausages. Yeah. Those three. That, Everybody is happy with that. You cover a multitude there. You cover a
6: multitude. You also cover a a range of ages. Yes. You know, if you've got children, I always like to see the children getting food, you know, first. Um, And then that's one section done. And the parents relax because (laughs) the children are fed, you know. So,
2: and then we go. And then you go from there. So, you have three different cuts there and different thicknesses. So, I take it the chicken has to go on first. Yes. I always say
6: work backwards. Look at what you've got. You've decided now on a menu. Now you can look at the cooking times. Chicken fillets is going to take up to 30 minutes. So that's going to go on first. Your burgers will take, say, 10 minutes. So after 20 minutes, you can put your burgers on because the idea is to try and get everything ready more or less at the same time. You're never going to be spot on with Mm. it. But at least everything is ready because once you start dishing up, the stampede is on. <laughs> You're surrounded, Jerry. You're very popular.
2: <laughs> I love that description. It is so true. We can all just picture it. The stampede. Yeah. Um so, 30 minutes, you reckon, for the chicken, mm-hmm. uh, about uh, jumbo, jumbo sausages, which are the best for the barbecue, yeah. I take it, Put uh, 10 minutes. So, put them on 20 minutes then after your chicken is on. They should be ready at the same time. And then the burgers take the least time, six to eight minutes for the yes, burger. Okay. Exactly. So And then you should have everything arriving, as Rick says, together <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and everybody's happy. Uh, something I forgot to ask you. Do you use... The barbecue in an open space or under a cover or what?
6: What are you prefer? Open, open, open Jerry. If Out you're under cover, if you're under cover, uh, there's going to be damage to the cover. It's, that's almost guaranteed. Now, when I say damage, I mean you're not going to burn the place down, but smoke. You know, it's, it's just going to be a damage to it. In yes. particular, uh, say PVC that mm. that absorbs it very very quickly. Mm. You know.
2: So out in the open, uh, that's just yeah. something I overlooked to, to mention to you. Now, yeah. th- the grill itself. You say you're constrained by the size of your grill or your barbecue. Yes. You always say you need to leave a space on that grill. Yes. For what?
6: We call it the safe area, Jerry. And the safe area is when you, while you're cooking, you're gonna have a flare up, you know. Even if it's gas, you're gonna get the flames there. That's the area that you put your, take your meat to, to protect it. It's also your rest area, and it's certainly in the gas barbecues, there's a rack above the main grill, and that's exactly its purpose: is to rest the meat. Okay. And it's what what I call the safe area. So if you're having problems. That's where you run with the meat. Move it. There. While you sort out your sort problem. It, whatever's Yeah. On. And don't overstack the grill. Don't pack everything
2: in and you have no space. Mm to turn things over. So I'm thinking about coals then, what you're saying to me then basically beneath the grill with coals, the coals shouldn't be spread right all over the base beneath the grill. They should be, say, in half to three quarters with no coals in another part. No coals. Exactly, Jerry. You want that.
6: Now, when you start it, fill it and then just rake it to the side and leave a
2: little spot there just to help you out. Thermometers. Are you a fan of thermometer if anyone's nervous about whether it's cooked or not?
6: I do, Jerry. I do. I make sure it's there and I regularly check it. Uh, That's for my own comfort and also for, you know, people that might be nervous because judging by the eye, well, If you have my eyes, you wouldn't even see that pink elephant with the Nike trainers doing the Macarena. So forget (laughs) that. I have to have a bit of help there with the thermometer.
2: I'm picturing that. (laughs) That's before the wine, (laughs) Jerry. Anyways, right, so... You come to the end of and you're, everything's almost ready, and yeah. people love a marinade. Some people marinate their meats before they yes. go on the grill. Where yeah. do you stand? Before and others leave it till afterwards. Yeah, I'm a
6: very keen on doing it right at the end, Jerry. Especially if you've got something with sugar or honey in it, uh, that tends to burn. I'm sure listeners will be familiar with that. Uh, it sticks uh, to the fire. Um, Yeah, I like to do it right at the end, just give it a nice brush over. Meat doesn't absorb unless you inject it, Mm. uh, Jerry, so it's just a good coating. Mm. And if you start from the beginning, it sticks, it burns, but also it sticks to your grill. So anything after that, you're just inviting a big fire. Best at the end then, Rick. Yeah. Low and slow, Jerry. That's uh, hot is not. That's my slogan when you're cooking. You know, that's
2: a good, good one to keep in mind. The other thing, just in the marinade, and I'm thinking back uh, myself. I remember hearing this: if you marinate chicken or the like, never use the marinade. You know, to return. Say you you, somebody did marinade beforehand. Say chicken, for example. Do not use that marinade at the end. No. No, no, no. Get rid of it. It's
6: fresh all the time. All
2: fresh. Yeah, it just just keep
6: it fresh. Yeah, keep it yeah. fresh.
2: Um, if you get some burning, and it's inevitable, some people do, this, you know, carbon on meat or anything, it's not good.
6: No, Jerry. No, absolutely. And it's not good for the dog or the cat. Just get rid of it completely. Absolutely. No, once it's burnt, charred,
2: absolutely gone. It,
6: it is just not good for your health yeah
2: they say there's elements of carcinogen yes exactly in that. exactly
6: jerry and now it is just you might feel okay on the day but the day
2: after no it's not good for you it's so not, jerry. get rid of it don't even you know don't yeah just as rick says gone if it's gone. burnt gone. it's gone. gone do not eat it it's as simple as that yeah um You have been cooking for lots of people over the years and you've done some communions, confirmations, etc. recently. And I see you have a big barbecue on this Saturday. I do. Who is
6: that for? Every year I invite the neighbours. Obviously with Covid, put a dent in that. But yeah, I just do it uh, for the neighbours. I live in the countryside. It's a great spot. I have fantastic neighbours. It's just something to get us together and... uh,
2: Good, on, reason, you. good you know? on you, good on you. don't yeah. give the address or anything like no, that right? because no, we have enough people to look by after. By invitation only. By <laughs> invitation. What about sides? Because that's another thing with a barbecue. Yes, the sides yes. Uh, really enhance a
6: barbecue. It does, Jerry. And it's lovely to go with. And again, two, three maximum. Again, you want to keep it simple, keep it tasty. And I just want to add, you'll be amazed, Jerry, how cheap it actually works out when you do a barbecue. I've got 18 people in total, including myself, on, on Saturday. And I looked at my shopping list this morning because I order online. It's just a case of collecting. Just under a tenner each. And, and that's a fair, That's everything. Not, not drinks now, but all the food, the meat, everything included. Your sides, the lot. The whole lot. That's very cost effective. And I've done it for people and they couldn't believe it isn't that very very cost effective uh, jerry
2: that is wonderful so the message today is follow the, the the way you do it rick and you'll have a wonderful wonderful time this weekend that's it it's quite simple really it is jerry it's very logical a bit of planning
6: just look ahead and don't overcommit in terms of quantity um and yep and don't ask that question is the chicken ready No.
2: (laughs) Please take the pressure off the person behind the grill. Rick, you're fantastic. Loads there to chew on, forgive the pun, over the weekend. I thank you so much for dropping in. Happy barbecuing to everybody. Well, Rick, have a good one this weekend. I will, Jerry. Thank Thank you you for joining me again. Thank you.
5: Five,
0: four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today
2: it's... The number two from this very week in 1997 And it is a classic It needs no introduction A massive hit, timeless It's played, I'm sure it's been played all over the place Even today Yes, the number two, 1997 at the start of June Was from Andrea Bocelli and Sarah Brightman Here it is Mm My God, a song that makes the hairs stand on the back of your neck. And I'm sure the tears flow for many people as well. Our number two from this week in 1997 in the UK charts in our top five countdown, Sarah Brightman and the wonderful Andrea Bocelli, Time to Say Goodbye. I've got to go and see Bocelli again. I'm just sitting here thinking, the weather on RTE this evening and in Met Aaron all day, surely they're playing that song, Time to Say Goodbye. To Evelyn Cusack, who retires after 42 years this very day. We wish her well. She's the head of matters there now, a familiar voice and face from our television screens for all these years, forecasting many of the major weather incidents over four decades. Bringing it into our homes each evening. Ah, she'll be missed. She will indeed. We wish her well. And may she have a very happy retirement. I know she's a keen walker and she intends getting involved more in that and other things besides. But thanks, Evelyn, for all the years. 42 years with Met Aaron. Evelyn Cusack retires today. You're at Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. After the break, staying sun smart with Cathy Marr. We're really on the ball for you today, aren't we? With the weather that's in it, looking after you all. We do look after you and we think about you all of the time when we finish the show today with one of our valued regulars, pharmacist Cathy Marr. Welcome back to Late Lunch.
1: Hi, Derry. How, How are you? I'm really good.
2: Oh, Cathy, I just adore the sunshine. By God, I'll tell you this. I was saying it yesterday when I went with the boys for our Wednesday club points. You can't beat Ireland with weather like this, can you?
1: Absolutely not. It's
2: a a stunning country. Ah, it's absolutely stunning. But having said that as well, the sun is beautiful, the heat is welcome, but we do have to protect ourselves and we've learned this over the years. So let's, let's talk a bit today about staying smart in the sun. First of all, may I ask you, Factor, I was in the supermarket last week and I bought Factor 50 myself. Do we all need 50?
1: we'd all need a skin block, a total block and that can be anything from 30 to 50 so depending on your own type of skin, I'd recommend no one use anything less than a 30. Right. And many of your listeners will remember, I try to remember myself being a teenager, early 20s maybe buying factor 20 or factor 15 mm. um, but no, that's a real no-no now. We have learned um, the increased incidence of skin cancers and the increased risks that we have particularly in Ireland where a northern country, we're in the northern latitude of the earth, and also we're a very pale country. So we actually just have to mind ourselves. It's estimated, Jerry, there was over 13,000 new cases of ca- skin cancer diagnosed every year, Wow. and it's expected that will double by, by 2040. Do so you imagine by 2040 that there's 26, 30,000 skin cancers every year, mm. and a lot of those will have been damaged caused this year or last year or the year before. So we really have to look after ourselves and our young people and our adolescents now to protect them for the future.
2: In terms of application, look, if you're at work and you're in and out, it's probably not an issue. But if you're sitting out in the sun, if you definitely go to the beach, if you're out and about, how many times a day should you really apply? Is there a rule of thumb?
1: As often as possible, certainly every two hours if you're active enough and more frequently if you're in and out of water, particularly at the beach. But you just said something at the start, if you're at work and you're in and out, you don't apply just quite so often, but we actually need to because the efficacy or the the effectiveness of sun cream once we apply it begins to wear off. So after two hours, if you're going back outside, even though you applied it this morning, I'd reapply. And I do see an awful lot of Increased incidence in peculiar looking moulds and lumps and bumps that people come in to me, particularly from people who spend a lot of time outdoors or outdoor workers. So a lot of farmers, we see a lot of farmers with concerns around maybe their nose, the tips of the ears, maybe on the head, neck, um, and on the head if they're, they're maybe thinning on the top. So we just have to be careful and mind ourselves. I see a lot of people who exercise, a lot of runners, would have a lot of issues around moles and lumps and bumps. So just, we need to mind that and make sure, try and prevent it in the first instance. And in the second, if there's anything unusual, pop into your pharmacist and we can say, yep, that's something that needs looked at or perhaps that's something that's okay.
2: So what are you talking about when you talk about bumps, uh, moles, things like that? What should really raise there? If you're concerned about anything, you should have it checked. Let's say that first.
1: Absolutely, and it might not always be a case to go to a dermatologist straight away. Mm. We we use what's called an ABCDE guide. So when I look at a mole, and whether someone is maybe concerned about it, I'd look for A, which is asymmetry. So if it's not... Very symmetrical in shape if maybe one half of the mole doesn't look the same as the other half. B would be for border. So if the border looks a little bit irregular, so if you think of any mole or freckle that you might have, it's usually fairly uniform in shape and uniform in, in border. Um, any irregularities would raise a little flag for me. Um, colour. If a mole, even a mole that you've had for years and years and years, has changed in colour, particularly if it's gone very dark, very dark brown or quite black. Or if it's very pink, red or bluish colour, anything unusual, pop in and get it checked. D would be for diameter. So if it's gone more than six millimetres across in diameter, again, that would be something that we would have concern around. And E would be evolving. So if, you know, we're fairly familiar with our bodies and just to be making sure that you're checking on moles, and particularly if you have a quite high number of moles. Just be familiar and if you think that they've changed or evolved in any way, pop into your pharmacy, we'll have a look at and we'll say right whether it needs to go to the GP, the GP will decide whether it needs to go further into dermatology and it's a really good clinical pathway, it does actually in the system follow really, really well. So, whatever it says, don't ignore it. Yes,
2: real good advice there. Any of those, do have them checked and always err on the side of caution. Just coming back to the sunscreen, a listener wants to know Does Cathy prefer the spray on or the rub in cream from a tube uh, in terms of protection?
1: Anyone that's being used, Jerry. Anyone that's been used properly and effectively. So, whether it's a spray, and often it comes down to um, the person that it's been applied onto, comes down to their preference. I know when I come after my children with the spray, they go running, but if I give them the rub, they're happy to do it themselves. Mm. I'll just supervise and make sure that it's applied correctly. Um, but make sure that it's Ideally, at least a factor 30, but for children, I would say a factor 50, that it's applied 15 to 20 minutes before going outside in the sun. And that's reapplied frequently, particularly if there's anything like water fights, beach, anything going on where the water might, um, even if it says water resistant or water protective, even just don't. I wouldn't assume that that's going to last me for the day. There are a couple of preparations that claim to last For 24 hours, it's only a once-daily application. and They're really popular, they sell really well in the pharmacy. But I would still, when I sell them, still say to someone, I'm not going to rely or recommend just once-daily application. I would definitely recommend applying that two to three times more during the course of the day. Mm.
2: And a hat as well. I see my own grandchildren with hats, keeping the hats on them. You have to just keep at them, I'm sure. But a hat is very important, isn't it?
1: Well, absolutely. It's part of our our, our skin, you know, our sun smart code. So it's, it's seeking shade. So it's stepping out of the direct impact of sun, slipping on some clothes. Um, and it's worth remembering, especially for parents of younger children, wet fabrics actually let in more UV rays onto the skin. So we often, and I'd be guilty of myself, popping a T-shirt on younger children and thinking, that's great. But if they're in and out of the beach or in and out of the paddling pool, that wet fabric can actually allow... the the exposure of UV UV rays to the skin a little bit more. Wearing a hat, really, really important because it does give shade to the face. But actually, particularly for children, I prefer a hat that's not just a baseball hat. A wide-brimmed hat will actually protect the neck, head and ears. And, you know, with younger children, the more comfortable a hat becomes, the more familiar they are with it, they're less likely to keep pulling it off. Mm. So just absolutely. Sunglasses. Um, we've talked about this before even in terms of um, hay hay fever and trying to protect the eyes from the exposure of pollen but actually the exposure of the UV rays can damage the eyes so using sunglasses making sure that they give UV protection is important sunscreen is vital and you know Certainly in Ireland, I would recommend most people wear sunscreen, even from an anti-aging effect, most days, certainly during the winter months. And we would find a lot of makeup foundations and a lot of facial moisturizers will have an SPF in that anyway. But I would certainly recommend a sunscreen once the summer months hit. People often ask me, Jerry, is it okay to use last year's? And and, and some companies say, you know, throw it out every year and buy a fresh, fresh batch at the start of the summer. These aren't Inexpensive products It can be costly Particularly if you're going through A couple of tubes You know, not depend on any People who need sunscreen So if you have sunscreen Left over from last summer And it's been kept in a cupboard At room temperature It's not been kept In direct sunlight That's absolutely fine Absolutely fine to use. If it's only been in Ireland And you've only been using it Pop it back in the cupboard afterwards There's still some in it That would be okay If it's been kept in direct sunlight or if it's discoloured or if there's a little smell whenever you squeeze it out, then at that stage I wouldn't rely on that and I would recommend buying a new one.
2: Yeah, because uh, that is a very important point to make to those uh, uh, dates if it's well out of date. Cathy, we have to leave it there for today. We'll be back to you again. More to talk about, I'm sure, over the coming weeks. Thanks so much for the wonderful advice as usual.
1: Thank
2: you, Terry. Take care of yourself. Kathy Mard there from Haven Pharmacy in DuLeak. And just before we go, well done to the Mead winners at Bloom today. Big winners all round River Lane Nursery, Boyne Nursery, Floral Artists, Libby Redden and Yvette Bloomfield. And Jane McCorkle from Ashburn winning gold medal for her large garden. And she's joining us, Jane, on late lunch tomorrow afternoon. That's it for today. Have a lovely evening. Take care in the sun. Enjoy the barbecue. Mind your phone, but have a great time. That's the important thing. Eddie Caffey's coming next with the drive here on LMFM Radio. See you for Friday show, 1 30.
0: The Late Lunch brought to you by Blackstone Motors, Drahida, Dundalk, and Cavan.